Welcome to the Four Jack Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Four Jack Podcast brought to you by our friends at Jackson Labs. As always, we're back here tonight. Just the two of us, just me and Parks tonight. Chatting about Dynamic some golf. Dynamic duel. Wow, <laughs> finally chatting about some golf. Yes. Um, Parks, let's let's go into it. Like, let's go over the Charles Schwab challenge over the weekend. Like, how exciting was it to have golf back again? It was good. I think I was more excited to see my picks finally resonate. Hot it was a showtime for me. Unbelievable week for you. Yeah. Nah, Rose, Xander, Spieth. Like, Spieth was a long shot, obviously. Nah, got some insider info, had a had a hurt back, wasn't gonna pan out. Hard to, you know, hard to bet against our guy though. But uh, yeah, it was fun to come out on top of that one. Not to mention you did come out Thursday afternoon saying, hey, long shot pick, I might go with Colin Morikawa. Wow. Yeah, that was, it was uh, just, was heartbreaking. I saw something. I saw something. Yeah, super heartbreaking to have him miss that pot. I mean, maybe the nerves got him a little bit. He was a little jacked up. Maybe he just peaked, a little excited. Yeah. The, the kid's a stud, though. I mean, we had the pleasure of speaking with John from Theragun last night, and he says the same thing. Like, the kid is polished. He's, he's going to be a stud, and obviously we look forward to big things. Yeah, when you listen to him in interviews, he is just absolutely stellar. Like, he sounds like a seasoned veteran of, like, 20 years. It's phenomenal. And that was really tough to see him miss that putt and not get that win because that would have vaulted him to inside the top 20 in the world. And yeah. You know, that there was a lot of pressure on that putt, and you could clearly see that it... You know what? I don't know. I think it was a bit of a push. I also think it was just a bad spit. But you got to ram that thing in the back of the hole. That's so. what you got to do, man. Yeah, it was a little bit of a rim job. And, and nice to see Daniel Berger. I think you kind of mentioned this the other day. He's been playing the best golf of his life, apparently, for the last couple of months. So, obviously, whatever he's been doing during, during the time off has really uh, propelled his game a little bit there. So... Nice well, to see. 28 straight rounds under par. And, I mean, you look at his wins now with three straight or three wins and five straight top top tens. I mean, obviously, the last one was four months ago, but still, an incredible streak that he's on and crazy to think that all three of his wins have come in the middle of June. And clearly, that's his time, so he should, that's just, his prime time. He yeah. should just be booking all of June, I guess. <laughs> you should be playing every event in June yeah. on, the, on the inside and the outside of June for sure yeah. no it was yeah. great good win for Berger I mean he played clutch coming down that stretch like that could have been a six-way playoff there were so many guys it could have been what's the uh, what do we think about Bryson and his newfound uh, monstrosity dude Bryson looks like the Hulk out there it, it was it was insane watching him just take these lines. How wild is it to watch Shot Tracer and every single tee shot was off the screen? And yeah. like, oh, so that's gone. So I, I was reading an article today online and I can't remember who they interviewed. Was it Gary Player or Johnny Miller or something like this? Anyway, they were saying that it's not fair anymore because out of all of the holes on the golf course outside of the par threes, there was only four holes that he had more than a hundred yards in after his tee shot. So he's hitting the ball 340 minimal. Mm -hmm. He's getting 10 or 20 yards of roll. So he's hitting 360 plus tee shots. That's out of control. 
He said that he was giving Dustin Johnson 25 to 30 yards off the tee every hole, and DJ hits it a ton. That's so what insane. the hell, man? He averaged on the par fours this week 116 yards in. 450-yard par fours. He's got a sand wedge in. It's I ridiculous. Mean, the, I don't know, though. I think you got to start looking at longevity of this, and does it really make any difference? Because, I mean, there's now the talk of Gary Woodland, who went the opposite route and lost 20 pounds and still has the distance. You look at a guy like Colin Morikawa, who's 160 pounds soaking wet that averages close to 320. So... I don't know. Like, I think we need to kind of watch this. Like, if it becomes like Bryson's just dominating every golf course, then maybe guys will start bulking up. But personally, I don't see it. I I don't see that making a huge difference. Yeah, but you're a gym guy. You know how you feel when you get a nice pump and you come out of the gym. You're feeling good. You're feeling confident. I mean, that just seems to be translating to the golf course for him. He's out there, he's confident, he stands on the tee box, he knows he's going to smash it, he just picks the target and he's, he's gone. Do you think so, it's more a confidence issue for him? Like, that's what he's doing it for? I, I don't know, it could be. I mean, obviously, there's, a, there's something driving this. So, he's mm. done some scientific analysis, he has some beakers in the lab, and he's found the solution or the formula to whatever it is that's going to get him to the next level. And, and obviously, we're seeing that now. Yeah, totally. And I'm, I think it'll just be interesting to watch over the next you know, for the remainder of the season. I think that this size that he's reached and for how hard he swings, personally, I still do believe he's going to get injured. Like, that's a lot of force and a lot of torque. If you watch his swing right now, and there's lots of swings on social media, if you watch his front foot as he comes through impact, it's flipping right out of the way. Like, it's just, it's almost like he's lifting that foot off the ground and taking a step out like a baseball player, you know? Yeah. It's like he's swinging that hard. So, like you said, it could be prone to injury, but we're going to see what's uh, see what's on the deck here for the next little while. Yeah, and I think if there's one guy that could do what he's doing, it's Bryson. So, let him he's have it. He's a scientist, but. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, a couple other guys to even touch on throughout the week. Um, I thought it was great to watch Jordan uh, give himself a chance at least, play good golf, it's still a bit squirrely to say the least. Yeah. I think that, you know, I saw one of the post game interviews with him and he said, he's trying to find that balance where it's fun to play golf again. He's playing mm -hmm. as he was a kid, right? He's, he's not worried about getting inside his head, getting in his own way. He's just trying to get out there and have fun on a golf course. And I think you hear a lot of players talk about that aspect of it, how they just seem to get in their own way or they start thinking and processing and, and running scenarios. And all of a sudden it's a game over a miscut or, you know, a couple of bogeys in a row or whatever it is. So nice to see him freed up and playing with a little bit of confidence again. That's maybe that's going to translate into something this year. Be nice to get the monkey off his back. Yeah. Do you think for him when he's having a ton of fun out there, like he needs to be chirpy with the ball. He needs to be talking all the time. Like, is that the fun side for him? Because like, he wasn't mic'd up, but it seemed like I heard every single word that came out of his mouth this week. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, If he's not yelling at Greller, he's not happy, I guess. <laughs> or screaming out his ball. Interesting, though, that you mentioned that. I A lot of guys were really against being mic'd up. And, and I mean, case in point, Brooks Kapka right out of the gate. <laughs> without any fans on the golf course. I mean. Pretty fucking good there. Gonna, <laughs> pretty fucking good there. It's going to be tough to reel in those emotions and, and reel in your comments, right? I mean, you're used to a certain standard and, and having a mic on. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's where we need to go to bring awareness to the game. 
No, I, I don't think so. I, but it, it was interesting not having the fans because you still could hear quite a bit. So, I mean, those, I, I don't think we need to mic up the guys. I think it is putting a couple more mics out there, like just in and around, like, you know, Fox put the mic in the cup for the U.S. Open and, you know, they have the drone fly over, like a little bit of a different way to do the broadcast. But I, I don't think we need them mic'd up because we don't need to hear everything. But yeah, it's, it's too bad the players didn't actually take form because of all the cameras and stuff that were supposed to be out there, that would have been interesting to see that whole process Mm -hmm. and how that translated to a viewer experience. So I guess maybe that's, you know, down the road for us, but uh, yeah, I mean, the PGA is trying, PGA tour is trying different things and and that's great. I mean, they have to explore every channel, every opportunity to to bring that experience into your living room, essentially. Right. Definitely. And I I thought it it was interesting with no fans though. Uh, That was one weird thing from the broadcast standpoint having you know different guys in different locations like literally different cities so i mean i didn't find it too bad like the confession yeah. little station that they set up was kind of cool and yeah um i thought i would notice a big difference when the fans weren't there like especially when something good happens like that was a bit odd the first time that you see a good shot and you're like oh geez there's nothing but, <laughs> but literally that was the only time and you're like, oh, so I'm just watching golf again. Yeah, it's 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 weird because I think for a lot of these guys, that pressure can either amplify what you're doing or really put you in a bad spot, right? Put the heat on you. So it's just kind of maybe leveled the playing field. And these guys have been playing at home for the last mm-hmm. 90 days without any fans. So for them, this is an easy transition. I mean, it's they're all complaining about maybe a little bit of rust and not playing tournament golf, but Essentially, they're doing the same thing now, but getting paid for it because the last 90 days, there's nobody on the golf course. Yeah. So this is pretty pretty much the same sort of landscape. Exactly. And speaking of Russ, before we move on to the RBC Heritage, um, how was Rory's front nine on Sunday? <laughs> Why weren't we watching that? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think I saw one of the best memes on socials. It was like things that fall apart. It's like yeah. crumb cake, uh, nature Valley granola bars, yeah. Rory McIlroy. Like, man, what's his deal? I don't know, man, because it seemed like that golf course was very gettable. Like people, I mean, come on, Jason Gokrak was six under you're, there's guys shooting 64, 63, 65s all over the place there on Sunday. There's no reason why you're shooting 41 on the front. I don't know. He's he's just got there's there's a mental block there for some reason when he's if he's getting into contention or chasing or around the lead, there's always that meltdown period. Mm-hmm. He's got to eliminate that. I mean, that's it's been his crutch the Masters. I don't know, man. He's got to he's got to do some mental work. I think it seems like most of his wins are just runaway victories, where he doesn't he, have to worry about it, the pressure. Yeah, he's so far out in front that he can afford to maybe not bring the field back to him, but he can afford to lose a couple shots and still have have a cushion, right? Yeah. It's just like when he's right around the lead or chasing. It's just like there's always this you're waiting for the car accident, right? It's yeah. like a bad movie. Exactly. But either way. I thought it was a great uh, first week back to golf. Um, seemed like everybody enjoyed it. The players obviously had no issue with it. The COVID testing, from what I've heard, was good. Everything was seamless. Mm-hmm. So we move on. 
and we move on to the RBC Heritage at Harbortown. Good event. Big field yet again. Oh, we, we were thinking we were going to have Tiger, right? I mean, the yacht was traveling. There was a little bit of a seeing Santa Claus kind of thing going on there. But uh, unfortunately, no, no, no big cat this, this week. Yeah, I still believe we won't see him till the memorial. There's no reason for him to play. Um, I, don't, I think he's only ever played this event like once. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I, I really think he's trying to put his best foot forward for the, the run where there's going to be some major championships. I mean, that his, his goal now is to take that record down. So I yeah. think that's that's definitely what he's focused on. Which is fair. I'm okay with that. 100%. And you know what? Leave it to the rest of these guys. Like, I don't want to watch an event where Tiger doesn't know the golf course all that well, struggles, and it's like, I got to watch him struggling where you have these stacked leaderboards where we could have some drama. Leave that to these guys for now, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I mean, it, this didn't disappoint at all. There's a lot of guys chasing. Looked like it could have been a runaway after day one with Rose, but a lot of guys came back. And yeah, it was fun. It was fun to have golf back for sure. And it gives mm -hmm. us something to talk about. So definitely. That's another guy. Jeez, Rosie looked good. He Ooh. did. Stellar. He, um, he could be an early pick for me, but, um, <laughs> yeah, so we move on to Harbortown. I think this will be quite the weekend, especially for the Bombers and the guys that have not normally played there. This is not uh, a golf course where you can just bomb and gouge around. It will not be like Colonial. I don't see Bryson maybe up the leaderboard as high as he was last week out at, out at Harbortown. It, it's, it's not that kind of golf course. So... It's definitely not. It's sneaky. It's a Jim Furyk. It's a Kevin Zach Kisner. Johnson. It's a Kisner. It's a Abe Answer kind of golf course. Maybe a Xander Shoffley. You know, it's a, it's a. Ideally, there's always a premium to put the ball in play off the tee. But I mean, this for sure is a course that you can't get around chipping it out of the trees. Like you're not going to have sight lines in the greens. It's definitely there's a premium on putting the ball in the fairway. So look for the guys that have good driving accuracy. Definitely. Well, I mean, since we're thinking about that, why don't we just jump into it, Parks? Let's give our picks. Uh, Tom and Codes will be giving theirs. Tom, we have his. We can div dive into that, give his out, but Codes will come out sure. tomorrow. But uh, why don't you start us off, Parks, and throw it out there. All right, reigning champion. So I was minus 40 with my picks last week. Second place Ooh. was minus 21. Third place was minus 11. Oh, sorry. Two minus 21s and a minus 11. So I think I, I have the edge this week. Mm. I'm going to take our man Morikawa. I think, uh, yeah. I, think it's a, I think it's a steady pick for this week. I think he's looking for redemption. Obviously, he's playing solid. He's a shot maker. He's pretty accurate off the tee. I, I look for him to uh, maybe get some redemption this week. I'm going to take our boy Scott Stallings. Been seeing a lot of him on social media lately. He's, he's putting in the effort. Um, him and Blair Wheeler were out the other day. Shout out Blair, friend of the show. Uh, nice little 64 on the scorecard there. So look for uh, for him to bring something home. Maybe maybe a W, maybe a top five. I'm going to take uh, Abe Answer. And shout out Dale Vallely. And our man Xander. I look for him to, uh, to step it up this week. Yep, I like that. Okay, well, I'm going to follow you with... Uh, I'm going to start it off with JT. I think uh, he had a great week last week. I think he's just warming up right now. I think he's going to come out firing. Second up, I'm going to take Hideki Matsuyama. 
Hideki, nice. The guy was on a bit of a heater before the break. I think he's going to look good this week. I think that course sets up well for him. Good ball striker. I don't even like this pick, but I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to go Webb Simpson. I think he's just, he's one of those guys that's just going to sneak in there. And I'm going to steal one of yours as well. I'm going to go with Xander. Awesome. That's a good one. And our main man, Tombo. Taken Xander. Sung, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is Sungjae not playing this week? What's going on here? He is. Are you off the train? I'm, I'm going to take a break from him. I think I might regret <laughs> it. I honestly think I might regret it. Which, I and he had a good week I hope he week. Win, I hope he wins this week. This is going to be too I funny. I know. He probably anyway. will. There's a good chance he will. <laughs> <laughs> our boy Tombo's taken Xander, DeChambeau, Berger, and Brooks. All just wow. big hitters as usual. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. The mustache, man. I like that. Yeah, Mario's back out there. I like that. <laughs> there was a good meme on socials again, and I'll revert back to this. Him and Mr. Potato Head were uh, side by side, and it said something like, yeah, I used to kick the shit out of my little brother, but now I make more than him. And they just, <laughs> like, their faces look exactly the same with a mustache. Pretty good. It is so funny. like that one. So what are we expecting this week out of the boys, though? I mean, this will be second week back. Uh, get a few more guys that didn't play last week. Maybe some guys that are coming out of quarantine that are coming over from Europe. Are we expecting the same kind of firepower on this leaderboard come Sunday? I think so. I, I mean, traditionally, the scoring is pretty good out there. It's it's not a golf course. It's a golf course that does produce double-digit wins. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be a birdie fest, maybe, like Colonial. But uh, I, I think it's going to be some good golf again, for sure. Absolutely. These guys are fired up. They're, they're ready to play. Yeah, exactly. And I forgot to mention as well, those picks are brought to you by BetDSI. Go check them out at BetDSI.com and use the promo code 4JACK100 to get your bonus play. Yes, so Harbortown, RBC Heritage. Um, I think it's going to be a fun weekend for everyone. Get back into golf. Hopefully everybody's feeling it. But we are going to pass over this uh, pod now over to an interview that we had just last night, actually, with a... Quite an interesting guy out of Therabody, a brand that we've been kind of working with as of late. And we spoke to John Polkis, the VP of Global Business Development for Therabody. And I thought it was a great interview. And I really hope that everybody enjoys it. All right, Parks. Nice to chat with you and enjoy the interview with John, everyone. Cheers. So you're looking to land this job with Callaway, and then she says what to you? She said, John, that the pay is about half of what you are. Okay, well, let's negotiate a little bit. (laughs) So long story short, uh, in uh, that year of 1999, I joined Callaway as an outside salesperson selling Rule 35 golf balls. Oh, those are my favorites. To corporate America. And this is the honest to God truth. I had the east of the U.S. There was another guy, Pete Stamatis, had west of the U.S. or of the Mississippi. We each had two samples when we launched the ball. <laughs> so I had two samples, and we were making cold calls to people, asking them to come show them our golf balls and tell them our golf ball story. 
I had gotten so desperate that I was actually going up and down Wall Street, walking into places, asking the receptionist to call up to her boss, who I know has got to be a big golfer, and I want to meet him to tell him about our new Callaway golf ball. You'd be shocked how many places I got in to talk about. So uh, that progressed. I stayed on the corporate side of the the golf ball business for a while. Uh, The golf ball was then absorbed into the club company. And I moved up the ladder at that point where I started to run our special markets corporate business at Callaway. Uh, I did that for about eight years. And um, from there, I was just in sales, uh, national accounts, Dick Sporting Goods, uh, ran a bunch of the different regions, was a sales manager uh, working with most of the reps at Callaway over the years. Absolutely love the brand, love everything about the company, Chip Brewer, Glenn Hickey, Greg Brown, Uh, The team up there in Canada are my favorite group of guys at Callaway, anywhere in the world. Uh, Bruce Carroll and uh, your buddy there right there. Jimmy Holly Might be be one of the most unique people I've ever met. Uh, We say the same. He's a a beauty. You broke the mold with Macaulay. That's all you can say. Yeah. Uh, I remember Bruce Carroll saying about Jim Macaulay because I met him at the Canadian Club Pro and wigwam and he's like yeah the thing about jim is like nobody's his boss you just you control him and you harness him in a way that does good for both right Right. he's such a great guy and uh so obviously with with 20 years at at callaway i was uh you know i'm gonna be 58 i started thinking you know 62 i'm gonna ride off into the sunset and uh, you know, I've got a couple of grandkids now and, and go spend time with the grandkids. And I get a call out of the blue from a buddy of mine that works for a company up in Minneapolis. They are, in essence, the sales agency for Callaway, providing uh, Callaway products into Target. And I became very good friends with the CEO of that company called Bluebird. Theragun, now Therabody, also uses Bluebird as their agency to be in Target and Best Buy. And the CEO of that company called me and said, hey, there's this company called Theragun. They were at the PGA show and they came out of the PGA show and Wilshire Country Club uh, and, and a handful of others had come on board. And he said, Wilshire Country Club, I think they sold, you know, a heck of a lot of units. And he said, <laughs> in fact, they sold more than the Epic drivers. And I just started laughing. Going, well, that's hysterical. So I've never heard of this thing. I don't know what a Theragun is from anything in the world. He said, well, will you, will you talk to this guy? I said, well, you know, sure. Have him call me. I have zero interest, but I'll help him find someone. And so uh, Ben Nazarian, who's the CEO of Theragun, Therabody, um, calls me on the phone and uh, hopefully you guys will meet Ben in the very near future. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Ben is on all the time, going a thousand miles an hour. And he was calling to hire me. He was not calling for me to recruit. And it became very apparent that me telling him that I was not interested was not what he had in mind. No, no, and no, no, no. So uh, <laughs> it, it was very flattering. And he said, I did some checking around. You're very well known in the business. I, I want you to join the team. And I tried to politely say no again. And I think he got a little mad and he went, well, 
Well, before you really blow me off completely, can I at least send you the product? Will you at least try it? I said, okay. I thought, man, good. I'll get him off the phone. He'll send me one of these. I'll be done. And uh, sure enough, the next day it shows up, 10 o'clock in the morning. I opened the Theragun. It was the G3 Pro. So it was our last year's top-of-the-line product. And I turned it on. And I've got you know lower back. It's not a huge issue. But I thought, well, I'll start there. So I put it on my lower back, put it on my shoulders, put it on, you know, under my arms. This sounds familiar, hey, boys? I got tennis elbow, so I'm kind of, you know, working it on there. Put the thing down, and I went to work. And I'm sitting in the office, and I'm going, holy shit, that thing feels really good. I went home at lunch. I lived in Carlsbad at the time, two minutes from the office. I go home at lunch. I start using it again. Now I'm going, holy crap, this guy might have something here. So I'm playing the next day at the farms. Have you guys ever played the farms outside of Carlsbad? I have. Tough, tough track. It, it'll <laughs> ruin your life. Uh, don't, don't ever play there unless you're glutton for punishment. So I'm out using my Theragun in my trunk of my car. I <laughs> like a homeless. I'm using it all over me. I went down on the first tee, I put a peg in the ground, and it's the first time, and it's got to be 20 years, that I didn't bend over and come back up like I was, you know, some 400-year-old guy. And I felt good. I'm swinging it. You know, like I've told you guys before, I still suck. But my range of motion and my swing speed, I just felt more loose, and I felt good. So I'm on the second hole, and I text Ben, the CEO at Theragun. I went, all right, I need to meet with you on Monday. And it, the rest was speed dating. I could not get here fast enough after I started using the product. And I, I really, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going no, on. No, go ahead. Uh, this is a good story. No, no, this is great. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm using the product and I was thinking to myself, I loved my, my tenure at Callaway. Uh, you know, but one of the things, if, if you ever think, you know, you talk to a sales guy in golf, there's always this little bit of uh, guilt when you see a 30 handicap, you know, at a demo day about to buy a Maverick driver and you go, oh, God, please put the wallet away. Don't, don't do it. You know, it's going to help them. So you ultimately it's, it's a good purchase. But with their gun, I absolutely feel like every golfer on planet earth, if they buy this, will feel better about playing golf. They're going to play more golf. And the next day, if they go out with the grandkids, they're out with their kids, they got to go to Space Mountain, they got to mow the grass, their recovery is going to be better. So I don't care how good a shape you're in. When you go play 18 holes of golf the next day, you wake up and feel it because you're using muscles that you don't normally use. And this product helps you to warm up and it helps you to recover. And uh, it's been the most fun I've ever had the last 10 months. Uh, and, and, and that's my story. That's how I got from Pittsburgh uh, in 1962 <laughs> to L.A. in 2020. How's that? But you, you got a company dinosaur back then. Wasn't that part of the, uh, the deal, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we would take the horse into town. It was a company horse. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. So, John, you've taken us through the landscape of, of – you sort of fast-tracked us through the landscape of how you got to this, this VP role, but – who introduced you to the game of golf? How did that all come to be? So, um, I, I, I try, again, I'll try not to make this too long. We, I grew up a really poor kid in Pittsburgh. 
had the most phenomenal mom and dad. Uh, six of us lived in a three-bedroom house, one bathroom, you know, not too atypical mm. from, for a, a Pittsburgh kid. And my dad was a giant sports guy. He softball, volleyball, baseball, and he played golf. I loved golf. He really couldn't afford to play. So a lot of it was we had a shag bag of balls and we'd go down to the local you know, park and just hit wedges and nine irons. And we watched golf from the time I, I guess I was five, six, seven. I can remember laying, you know, on the floor watching Sunday golf with my dad, the Masters, U.S. Open. It yeah. just was the way I connected with my father. And um, it, it was really, uh, my father passed away before I started with Callaway, which is the saddest thing uh, of yeah. my life. Every milestone that I had at Callaway, you know, meeting Mr. Palmer, uh, you know, playing with Mr. Palmer, having dinner with Mr. Palmer, playing Oakmont Country Club. I couldn't speak for five holes. You know, I was so choked up that, uh, you know, here's this poor kid from Pittsburgh. My dad, I remember when the U.S. Open came to Pittsburgh and uh, I said, Dad, we should try to go there. He said, Johnny, we can't afford to drive by Oakmont. <laughs> and, so when I was there playing, it was uh, it was pretty special. But pretty special, how, yeah. That's how I got to play the game was my dad, 100%. That's very cool to know that, yeah, that would be an interesting moment where your dad's probably with you at that moment, just yeah, and kind of seeing how life is coming, just wishing he was there with you to share that moment. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, for um, sure. Knowing a, you're, you're the Kimosabi of sales. And I, I, I know we've probably got a couple <laughs> sales guys listening to this podcast right now. And I would just love to know like, yeah, what's, what's the key to being a rock star sales guy in life? Well, first I'd say I've never been a rock star sales guy. Um, I think I've done been pretty <laughs> successful and you know, it's funny. My daughter's asked me that before. She said, dad, what the heck is it that you do? And how come you're, you seem to do it fairly well. And, I've, I've tried to give this an answer and it always scares me when I do, because I'm afraid somebody's listening. And then it's like, Holy shit. That guy doesn't really know anything. Um, the secret to being good at what you do is listening, particularly in the sales game. Um, and you know, I will quote Mr. Callaway when I asked him the question about what's it take to be a great salesman. And he said, well, simple, find something easy to sell. And, uh, I would say that's the trick. You got to find something you believe in. You've got to find something that's a great product and then you've got to believe in it. And then you got to really believe down deep in helping other people and, you know, finding out what they need. I always loved dealing with golf pros and, and off course, independent golf retailers, finding out what made them tick finding out ways to help them, you know, bring in our product and then sell it through to their membership. Um, it's very collaborative, you know, kind of working with people you like and building friends. I, I have friends all over the world because of my time in golf. And I would say that is, uh, you know, the ultimate secret in selling is, uh, you know, you better have friends because friends buy from other friends. Yeah. And you better listen to those friends. You better darn well listen. And uh, I think with my, my first boss, uh, he was a big Southern guy. And uh, I can't do his accent as well as I can do Mr. Callaway's. But um, he said something to the effect that you got two ears, boy. You got two ears. You better listen twice as much as you talk. 
And uh, that's really that good. was a terrible. I did terrible. <laughs> it was I was actually Mr. Callaway doing my. So from going from Mr. Callaway to Mr. Palmer, your time spent with him. What did you pick up in that time uh, listening to Mr. Palmer? He was everything you've heard about him does not compare to how he is in person. He was, and you'll hear this, I've heard this quote from other people and it's dead on. You are like the only person he is talking to and it is so genuine. Mm-hmm. He talked to me, he would ask me, ask questions about my father. He was from the PA, I'm from Pittsburgh. He knew the high school where my dad went to school. So he was asking about the school. He knew a little Italian restaurant that was down the street from where my my dad grew up. We had a conversation at dinner. It had to be 30 minutes. Now, Arnold Palmer doesn't need to talk to John Polkis, the corporate sales guy at Callaway Golf, to that level of sincerity and genuineness. But he did. And he did it for everybody at the table. Um, I still We still do business with Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, there's a couple of the buyers who were associate buyers back in the day. They're now GMs or DMMs at Dick's Sporting Goods. They still talk about our dinner that night uh, with Mr. Palmer and how genuine and sincere and interested in everybody at that table. It's one of our, it's one of the experiences we all talk about that's, it's in the top five of my golf lifetime. Mm-hmm. With, with Arnold Palmer. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I've yeah. read so many books on Mr. Palmer, and I've always been quite fascinated by him. So, like, it, I always like to meet someone that's met him. I always like to hear those stories because he just—he's like that hero figure. You kind of want to. Just yeah, that's his legacy, man. Yeah. There, it, it, there was another one that I really loved. We were in his office, so you go to Latrobe, uh, you play Latrobe Country Club, you get a tour of his barn where he's got all of his memorabilia. And then you go up to his office and in his office each day, I want to say it's two hours. I, I might, it might not be quite two hours, but I think it's two hours, like 12 to two, all the memorabilia that people want him to sign, his assistant would bring it in and he would sit there and sign it all and that. send it back to him every single day. And if you've ever seen his signature, he signs it perfectly. Every single time. He's very meticulous with everything he does. And, and so I said, Mr. Palmer, why do you take so long signing that? He says, well, it's, damn, John, they've asked for my autograph. I sure want him to know I took the time to sign it. <laughs> and I thought, wow, nobody does that, right? I mean, you see guys, they do that quick uh, two letters on the, on the back of a, of, a, of a flag, but he signed every single one of them. Exactly. Uh, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool experience. So then I guess one of the words as well, uh, John, you seem to come across as we continue to talk as an extremely uh, humble individual as well as passionate. Can you then take us through then the passion that at Callaway Golf while you were there, what got you fired up as far as then like, I know the FTI fired me up when it was released. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like what were some of the products or innovative things that you remember being like, wow, this is a big party here. Yeah. Well, I, I'll go all the way back to when I started um, and I moved my way into this special markets corporate business, working for Glenn Hickey, who's now the senior VP of uh, global sales at Callaway. Uh, Glenn was running special markets And he and I had the idea, we had just launched Rule 35 Golf Ball. We were printing on that golf ball. So we were in the logo business, which we ran. We thought, you know, we did the white hot insert. 
on the Odyssey putter. It was the same material that was on the Rule 35 golf ball. So Glenn and I are having a beer. I don't know exactly how this all came about. It sounds better if we were having a beer. It was probably a, <laughs> but um, we said, geez, if we can print on a golf ball, I bet we could print on the Odyssey white hot insert, a corporate logo, Budweiser, or Wells Fargo or Morgan Stanley. And we had to go pitch Gash, who was the CEO at that time and say, Hey, we are, uh, we want to put a logo on the putter. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so we um, we had to go before Chuck Yash. He's going, no, I don't think we should put a logo on the putter. That's going to, there you go. Look how cool that is. <laughs> so uh, and, and anyhow, Glenn and I end up talking him into it. And we ended up, that was a huge part of our business because just a few years later, you all know the two ball putter hits mm-hmm. and we were printing a logo on a two ball putter. We were print money. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> It was so much fun. Uh, so two ball putter, the white hot insert, those are two big ones that, that come to mind. Um, what was the next big one? Steelhead uh, days, Warbird days. Even. I mean, that would have been Warbird. before time. Then, then I'd have to jump ahead to the chip brewer era um, you guys know Callaway had taken a major dive um, about eight, nine, ten years ago, right? Lots of layoffs. Uh, Callaway went from number one to number three or number four, maybe. Taylor made had just taken a run all over Callaway at that point. Uh, there are a lot of our, our friends and um, family members all got let go. It was a terrible time to be at Callaway. And um, – uh, Chip Brewer came on board about seven years ago and built that company back up. And you know, one of the first products they brought back was Big Bertha. And I can remember being over in, um, I was the Western Regional Manager at the time, and went over uh, to Palm Desert, where Mr. Callaway spent a lot of time in Cathedral City, is where I think we had a warehouse. Callaway had a warehouse there at one point uh, in their history. And I thought, wow, how cool is this to be? I wasn't involved in the first launch of Big Bertha, but I'm, launch, I'm launching the second time around with the, with Mr. Brewer. And uh, Chip had come on and he had did the, uh, the X-Hot family, the X-Hot fairway wood, got Callaway back on the map. Uh, and then Apex Irons uh, was a phenomenal product to be involved with. The Chrome Soft golf ball franchise, the TrueViz golf ball True franchise. Is. I mean, all of those were so much fun to be a part of because we were taking market share back and we were winning. And, you know, uh, you won't find a good salesperson if, they, if they're not looking at the scoreboard. And, and we were looking <laughs> at the scoreboard. Uh, we loved uh, taking market share. We loved beating our, our competitor down the street. And uh, same as they love kicking our ass. So it was a it was a great rivalry for the golf business, TaylorMade and, and Callaway. And, you know, you throw Ping in there and, uh, you know, Tylus. Those were some some good rivalries. I was going to say, like, I mean, I'm sorry. Excuse me if I'm, my timing is off. But to go from one interesting time to another, when that Warbird and, like, the Steelhead and the Big Bertha came out, like, Callaway was getting a lot of flack. And it was like, cause it's too good. Like it was too long. Like people were like, what is this? And like, as an amateur golfer, everyone's like, of course I want that. 
So yeah, like, well, what a confusing time for the company. You are remembering the ERC, which was the non-conforming the, tri- the triangle head almost on the fairway metals, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a round. ERC was a non-conforming, you know, that didn't, didn't conform to USGA regulations. And if you remember, Mr. Palmer had supported that ERC and supported Mr. Callaway. And Mr. Palmer took a heavy uh, toll on that from the media and when the USGA decided uh, that they weren't going to let you post a handicap if you used the USGA non-conforming golf club. So it was uh, it was strange time. If, if you think, shit, all Callaway was trying to do was help you hit the ball further and enjoy the game more. It didn't seem like that big of a deal to me, uh, you know, as a, as a 17, 18 handicap. <laughs> yeah. You could take any help you can get at that point. I would take a howitzer if you tell me it was okay. Potato gun. It was a howitzer for some when they started launching it over the fences at the range. (laughs) So, John, you talk about then, I'll split back if you don't mind. You talk about three or four products at Callaway. Then, as we transition over to Therabody, I know that we have a number of products, more than three or four within the lineup, but we'll focus today on Theragun. There happens to be four guns in the lineup. Do you think you could just talk our listeners through just a little bit of what each gun and maybe who, who do you think serves that purpose of each gun? Cause I know there's quite a range of. Sure. What I think I, I might do is, is even take a step back a little further than that, explain what a Theragun is. Um, because uh, when, when I started, if you remember my story, I had never heard of it, didn't know what the hell it was. And even after hearing it on the phone, uh, I still didn't understand what the hell he's talking about. So I've tried to, uh, when I explain Theragun, I try to make it for a dumb kid from Pittsburgh, which I am. Uh, But very simply, Theragun is a a handheld percussive therapy device that is a piston that takes a ball and it shoots that ball into your muscle and deep tissue. And by doing so, provides a tremendous amount of relief uh, to your muscles and tissue, both from um, uh, stretching the muscle, contracting the muscle, bringing oxygen in and out of the muscle, bringing blood flow in and out of the muscle. And that does a tremendous amount for you when you're trying to warm up for any type of activity, whether that be getting out of bed in the morning, whether that be running, biking, you know, any physical activity, golfing, obviously, um, to also doing that deep tissue massage to recover, helping your muscles recover after a long day of activity. So it's a, it's a, it's a piston with a ball at the end that's traveling into your muscle and deep tissue at 16 millimeters. And 16 millimeters for those of us down in the lower 50 is a half an inch. A half an inch, it's the deepest uh, massage gun in the world. So it's going deeper than any other device on the planet. And that really is what separates Theragun from everybody else. There's a hundred of these massage guns out there. A lot of them are, are vibration massage. Ours happens to be a percussive massage. And that's a very technical word. Again, the dummy from Pittsburgh, what the heck is percussive? Percussive like a drum, when you hit a a, uh, a drumstick on a drum, it goes on the drum, it comes off the drum, right? That's a percussive device. Well, we do the same thing. That piston and that ball at the end of the piston goes into your muscle and then it comes off your skin. And by going into the muscle and then coming off the skin, 
it allows all of that contraction of your muscle, your deep tissue and the blood flow, all of that good stuff that comes from this product happens because the product goes into your skin and comes off your body. All of our competitors are vibration massage guns. They just stay on the top of the skin. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice little feel good. It's not really doing a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, but you're not getting the release of the lactic acid and all that. You're not releasing. Wow, look at man, you go. And that's that's a funny way that you put it like that. I mean, it isn't at times like you hit those spots. It's it's not like it's the comfortable thing. You're like, ooh, that almost kind of hurts. But then you finish and you're like, well, that's exactly what I needed. Like, yeah, it just, it clears up so fast. And it's, oh, I know for me, like I have terrible lower back issues and like hit that before bed, wake up. You're like, oh. I like that move you're doing right now in the chair. Yeah. That's kind of sexy. Thankfully, no one's seeing that. Like, that's good. Is that your Theragun, <laughs> is your Theragun dance or what? It's both sides. So I do have a question actually, because you were kind enough to send us a few before this conversation to just at least get familiar as ourselves and... I noticed there's there's like a degree of lines on the Theragun Elite that as I push harder, there's like one line that shows up that's like, that's when you're in the good zone. And then there's like another line and another line that like, as you put more pressure on them, what is that trying to do? Yeah, so uh, I'll get to that in one second. So if I could, (laughs) so we're talking about the piston, we're talking about how deep it goes. We're talking about percussion going on and off the skin. It is going on and off your skin at 40 percussions per second. Is that the number? 2,400 percussions per minute. That would break. So, so, John, so, John, Cody told me the other day that I needed to go through this night routine, and I threw this baby on, not doing any homework on it, had it on 2,400, and the next morning I felt like I got in a car accident because I had whiplash on my neck. So this thing does some serious action. It, it can do some serious action for sure. So you're, do, you're going at 2,400 percussions per second in at 16 millimeters. So it is doing a lot of work, deep tissue, deep muscle massage. And it's doing so in that triangle format, which is a patented format for us, which makes it very ergonomic, right? Mm-hmm. You see all of our competitors. It looks like a Budweiser can with a tennis ball sticking out the front or a tunnel. Yep. Ours has the Theragun triangle and that triangle you can grab in five different positions, which allows you to do the self massage technique all over your body. So we've got depth, we've got speed and we've got ergonomics and Cody back to your question of what is the difference in the speed? We also have torque. So this is a Japanese grade, uh, industrial grade motor. So this is a beast and we designed it from the ground up. It's patented and it is designed to give 60 pounds of torque. And what the hell does that mean? 60 pounds of torque means you can take that elite, push it down into your thigh with 60 pounds of pressure, it would take you 60 pounds of pressure before you could get that Theragun Elite to stall. Our competitors are about a third of that because they're consumer grade motors. They're like hair dryers. Hair dryers, you don't want to put a lot of torque on a hair dryer. On our product, you can put a lot of torque on it. So that's what that reading is showing you. It's how much torque uh, you're putting on on the new product. Okay. So these products are, are very different this year than our predecessors. Uh, 
So if any of your listeners have used a Theragun over the last few years, um, they would have, if there's ever been a knock on Theragun, it's been they're loud relative to our competitors. And the answer always was, well, hell yeah, it's loud because we put a, or a an industrial grade motor in there to have that thing deliver 16 millimeters of amplitude at 40 percussions per second, it's gonna have some noise to it, right? I mean, you can't go through a car wash and it be quiet because yeah. it's washing the it's shit gonna, out of your car. It's gonna work So though. This year's products, the four that we have now, the Pro, the Elite, the Prime, and the Mini are 40 to 50% quieter than our previous model. And that was done because the last two years we've been working on a way to make a new motor. And we actually make this new motor with rare earth magnets. And I won't go into all the science because it'll be a little bullshitty. Quite frankly. <laughs> um, and I'd rather not bullshit you guys. We're friends. Um, <laughs> but these rare earth magnets have an attraction and a repulsion, which allows this motor to speed up and do so very quietly. So it's, uh, it's quite a unique lineup. There's a pro and the pro has for obvious reasons called pro. A lot of professional sports teams use it. A lot of professional chiropractors, athletic trainers, physical therapists use it. The big difference is the head on that unit rotates. So a chiropractor, a physical therapist, or you guys at home can get it in different spots, particularly on your back. It also has two batteries, which allows in a professional setting, a chiropractor, a physical therapist, or a masseuse can keep them running and swapping out the batteries. Continuous use, yeah. Continuously use them. Yeah. Um, then you go down to the Elite. The Elite doesn't have that rotating head. Um, and then there's a uh, the Prime. And then this year, we've introduced the Mini. And the Mini is the one I get most excited about because uh, – I've been carrying the old G3 Pro in my golf bag. Wow. It was a little heavy. <laughs> I was willing to do it because it's like a, it's like a I jigsaw. Needed, I needed the benefit. And now the mini, you know, less than two pounds. It, it's it's about the size of a rangefinder. It's awesome. It's your bag and it delivers 13, uh, 12 millimeters of amplitude, still delivering at uh, 40 percussions per second. It's just a little badass and uh, golfers are eating it up. It's been on the market since May 4th and it's, uh, it's really catching on at country clubs and golf retailers around the, the U S and now Canada. Yeah. That's definitely the one we're using the most. Yeah. The thing with the mini I find is that like, I keep mine as old as this is going to sound, unfortunately, but with my shoulder issues and ever since I've got it, we've had the product now for like a week and a half, give or take. But with my shoulder, when I got up, I couldn't rotate my head. Like, serve, like I would feel stiff putting on a backpack. Like my wake up routine is I wake up, I have the mini right beside my bed. It's not loud. It's obnoxious right when I wake up. And that's the thing I love about the mini is that you can use it on the couch beside your girlfriend. It's not Are you still, related. It's are you just, still it's needing your, you still needing your cane? While you walk now there, old man, or is hey, the mini man. helping with that? Dude, man, I'm shooting 85s no problem at the diff without any sort of hesitation. And just like John reiterated earlier, that may not be – I'm not Dallas level where I'm going to have lower scores, <laughs> not lower back pain. I'm just going to have no back pain and have a lot more fun to be out there with my homies, to be honest with you. Like, there was a point there you go. Time. 
we went to Northern Bear on the weekend and I was telling you about my buddy outside the Anthony Handy on the West End. And there was a point where we were waiting on a part three. Like I was doing three buddies with the elite. Like I was rubbing Bud Zach, Bud Dallas and Bud V while waiting because they were feeling a little stiff. And you know what? Then we just kept playing golf, right? Like it was awesome. Cody, it's there so you go. We, got, we had ours. Uh, we were playing Angeles National here in, in LA and we had our air guns in, in the, uh, each of the buggies. We had a... Um, they're going in the back in the, in the basket there. And as we come around nine, we were by the, the driving range and we're all doing the their guns. The guys are coming from the driving range. What the hell are you guys doing? So we're seeing all the guys on the driving range. It's, it's like a little magnet. It's crazy. But oh, yeah. you're talking, as good as this makes you feel, it becomes almost essential equipment in golf. Um, you know, we were talking before we came on here about you know, people have a range finder. A rangefinder, you almost don't want to play golf anymore without a rangefinder, right? Why would you try to guess a distance or hope you can find the, you know, the, the the yardage markers on a golf course? It's the same with this. Once you use a Theragun, you're gonna go, shit, I'm not going to play golf without it. I'm just not. <laughs> so, Why would I play golf with pain when I could do it without? Right. Exactly. Good point. It sounds like you guys have created a product and I know because I've used it that Steve jobs would definitely be proud of in the design world and just putting that functionality versus design into the market. Um, yeah, I guess one thing I'd love to know about is yeah, the culture of their gun and their body and working in it and just what you guys are trying to do there as far as an organization. Well, how do I start? <laughs> it is front loaded uh, question. It's yeah. It's crazy because it's growing so fast. So I've never been in an industry that's going like this, right? Golf was always really flat. In, in my years in the business, you were constantly to grow. You had to beat the shit out of somebody else, right? It wasn't, there were tons of new golfers. Well, Theragun, everybody on earth is a potential customer. So we're you know, entering all of these new verticals to, to provide our product. So the company is growing so fast, and, but what's been, to, uh, I'm going around and around here to, to answer the question on what's the culture, even though we're growing this fast, and even though the industry, we've created this whole new industry of percussive therapy, um, what has remained the same is the two main principles in the company. And that's Ben Nazarian, the CEO, and Dr. Jason Wurzlin, who's the founder. And Dr. Jason is the heart and soul of the company. He designed this product. Um, it's, it's a really good story. I'll, I'll just digress quickly. So when he um, designed this product, it was really out of necessity. He was about to finish chiropractic school in LA. He's on his motorcycle. He's splitting traffic like the crazy guy. And 55 miles an hour, somebody cuts him off. He goes over the handlebars and he's a mess. Um, six months of pure pain. He's not sleeping. He's not eating. And he's, you know, he's a trained uh, chiropractor. So he knows in his, in his schooling that he had heard about percussive therapy. And he decides that I've got to figure out something that, you know, he, he came from a family that lived on a farm, so he was pretty good with his hands and you know, kind of creative. So he goes out and he gets a, 
you know, like a, a Mikata saw, you know, or a sawzall, takes the blade out of it, gets the stick in there, and he kind of makes it with a tennis ball and, or a racquetball, turns it on, puts it under, under his arm and on his back where he was in all this pain, and it was the first night he could sleep. So he kept doing it. He kept reworking this, you know, crazy gizmo, but never with the idea of I'm going to sell them. He was literally trying to survive each day without pain. And when you meet Dr. Jason, you'll see that he never really became the entrepreneur. The, the entrepreneur came to him because he started to show this gun to other patients it evolved into something that looked a lot better than that first one. And then guys, uh, you know, he had a lot of athletes in LA, Kyrie Irving, you know, other uh, professional athletes, at UCLA, USC, college athletes. They started to buy him from him. And he's going, holy cow, this might be a business. But he never, ever once, and when you meet him, <clears throat> is the most empathetic human being you'll ever meet. Unbelievable. He Sounds just, like he, he's the he's what makes this company is that we want to help people around the world. And that sounds so cliche and bullshit. It's not. Everybody here has a real desire in whatever vertical they're selling into to help people. And that is the honest gosh truth. Right. Have some ingenuity in helping people. Right. That's pretty cool. Like MacGyver, realistically, out of necessity of himself. He's like, I need to figure out how to fix this issue. I'm going to make a sawzall. And then he's like, hey, guys. That's a good, that's a good analogy there. For sure. Success, success born out of innocence. So you kind of touched on it earlier. You said the landscape was looking like 62 and you were going to ride off into the sunset. So now with Theragun, how has that changed? Obviously, you're excited. You're selling a product. You're growing. Things are fun. Uh, they are. <clears throat> Where's wife, the finish line for John now? I don't know. It, it's moved, I think. Uh, yeah. I'm having a ball. So, you know, I don't want to predict how long that I will have a ball, but I can't see stopping working. That's for sure. Uh, I absolutely love what I'm doing. You know, I, I have my hand in verticals. I, I never thought I would ever be in, um, you know, doing things in the medical vertical, talking to chiropractors, physical therapists, ATCs, um, working in the U.S. government, DOD, military, uh, you know, talk today to the Navy exchange, um, you know, talk with hockey and, and lacrosse and soccer. And I mean, it's so much fun and I get to be still in golf. You know, we're, we're growing this, uh, this business globally in golf and, you know, we're now in uh, the U.S. and Canada. We're in Europe, uh, Asia, Australia. So it's been uh, it's been the most fun ten months uh, that I could ever imagine. I feel very blessed and very fortunate uh, to awesome. be doing what I'm doing. Absolutely, and I I did want to kind of get it out for the listeners. You did just have a pod with uh, a very close two time winner on the PGA Tour. Did you want to promote that pod and let everybody know? where they can find that so they can listen to Mr. Morikawa. Yeah. If you go to uh, therabody.com and go to our podcast, uh, one of our therabody ambassadors, athlete ambassadors is Colin Morikawa. Um, uh, Cutter Dykstra, who is our chief business development officer was in conversation with uh, Colin. He's a huge Theragun user when he was at the university of Cal Berkeley. 
Uh, I won't give away the whole story. If you listen to the podcast, it's it's really unique. He was a, a Theragun believer, and uh, he now uses it religiously. And uh, I would like to say it's the sole reason for his great play right now mm-hmm. is his use of Theragun, uh, but that would be completely wrong. Skill and hard work only gets you so far, John. <clears throat> That's right. I'll tell you, this young man, um, you know, I would never hang on him that – uh, he's like Mr. Palmer, but he's got a lot of those qualities. He is so genuine. He is so um, real and thoughtful and, and caring to the people he's talking to. Uh, he has done more for Theragun uh, in his seven months with our company, way over and above what he's bound to do for us contractually. He is the real deal. And you talk about a ball striker. You guys watching this weekend? Um, he is going to be one special guy, and we are, <clears throat> excuse me, so thrilled to have him as part of the Theragun family, Therabody family for sure. He definitely has like the new generation, one of the most like picturesque, perfect swings I've ever seen. Uh, he is. He's something, and he's even a nicer person than he is a great golfer, which is. Uh, really makes it great to partner with him and do business together. He's, he's something else. Nice player, better guy, I think is the saying for sure, John. Um, I don't know where you're at, but before we get off the horn here, I just wanted to, again, thank you so much, John, for taking the time in order to sit down with us and run the story. You can see that the boys are excited just asking you questions before you can tell us about the 16 millimeters of depth and the, right. Like we're just fired up for, the product and just yeah, you sharing and taking the time to sit down with us. Well, I, I can't uh, thank you guys enough. And uh, you know, it's, it's a very sincere desire on my part to let people know about this product. It's made a difference in my life. Um, and I want to share that story with others. <clears throat> and even more, I'd like to share it with golfers because it's a, you know, it's a sport that I love. It's a, it's a passion for my entire life. And if people can use this product and play more golf and enjoy their golf more, can't promise you you'll play better, but I sure as heck can promise you're going to enjoy your round physically more than you have in a lot of years. And that's whether you're a young kid or an old fart like me, it's uh, it's a great product. So um, thank you for the platform to come in and talk about it. I love your guys' passion and energy. I um I'm a big fan of the podcast world that we live in now. I, I think that people being able to talk to one another is a, is a lost art with social media and, uh, and texting. And, you know, uh, back in the day, we used to have to actually talk to people. So this is a big, it's a big deal. And I've, I've so enjoyed uh, each one of you guys and uh, taking time to, to have me on the show and ask about my, uh, my silly life. Uh, it was a treat to talk about. Absolutely. And it was an absolute pleasure for us as well. I mean, to, before we close it, I, like you said, you used to call people. As these boys all know, I'm always a call first guy. And it's always nice to get to sit down and chat with someone else on the phone to hear these stories and really just get away from the social media and have a conversation. It's one of the benefits of uh, everything that's gone around with this pandemic is it's kind of become the great equalizer where people understand and you have people on CNN sitting in their homes, just hopping on screen, having a conversation recording. And it's, yeah, it's a weird way to get to that, but 
it's nice that it's here and it's nice that you were able to come on the show and tell everybody about their body or life at Callaway and give us all a little bit of uh, wisdom on being a better sales guy. Well, it was a pleasure. I hope this COVID goes away because, uh, you know, still my, my best selling comes between seven and midnight at the bar and uh, <laughs> that's not working right now. So uh, we want to get back to those days. <laughs> Soon enough. Amen. John, if, uh, if your consumers are looking for information about the product, what's the best place to look? What are your socials? If you want to just give a shout out real quick www.therabody.com best place to go follow us on social therabody instagram uh we're on everywhere therabody on facebook as well <clears throat> we sure appreciate it and we appreciate your business and thank to you guys look forward to uh talking again soon definitely excellent thank you thanks john, john. thanks guys peace thanks john take care hello for jack podcast fam it's your boy actor of nation and thank you for listening to the four jack podcast it would mean the absolute world to us if you could go hit that subscribe button and leave us a lovely five-star review on the apple podcast app you know what because that would really make our day thank you and let's keep on golfing baby i kind of like that last one okay then we're good got it